The Splendors and Miseries of an Old Bailey Hack. Some cases of Horace Rumpole, Barrister at Law, as told to and written down by John Mortimer, with Morris Denham as Rumpole and Margot Boyd as Hilda. Rumpole and the Rotten Apple. Nothing shocks your old Bailey judge more than a bent copper. There the judge is, his simple world proceeding nicely, with the villains committing enough crimes to keep his honour in business, and the public-spirited old Bill catching them and lobbing them neatly into the dock. And then, horror of horrors, a copper gets on to the wrong side. Coppers and villains spend so much time in each other's company that they often begin to look alike, as dog owners grow to look like their pets. And as King Lear put it in a neat phrase, handy-dandy, which is the justice, which is the thief? Uh, that was the pointed issue in the case of dear old Inspector Dobbs of the detective force. I remember leaving Castle Rumpole, flat 13 Froxbury Mansions, Gloucester Road, for a conference with the inspector one soggy February morning, when I was submitted to a brief interrogation from she who must be obeyed. Will you be back late this evening? Will you be home early tonight, dear? I very well hope not. What did he say? Oh, really? Mr. Rumpole. My clerk, Henry, the devoted servant who is also our master in our chambers at the temple. If Henry says go, we go, even to the Uxbridge Magistrates' Court. Inspector Dobbs is in your room, sir, along with Mr Morse from the instructing solicitors. All oh, right. Hmm. Have they caught up with you at last, Rumpole? Are you under arrest? Guthrie Featherstone, Queen's Counsel and middle-of-the-road Conservative Labour MP. Do I detect in his tone of voice a certain wishful thinking? No, not yet, Guthrie, my old darling. The inspector comes to me as a client. Uh. Like most of the rest of mankind, he's got himself into some sort of trouble with the law. Your letters, Mr. Rumpole. Oh, thank you. Diane Holder, I feel sure, of the world's slow typing record and permanent assistant to Henry. Oh, little brown envelopes. Communications from Her Majesty's Commissioners of Revenue. All the same, there's no need to throw them in the waste paper basket, Rumpel. Oh, there certainly is, Erskine Brown. Reading communications from the Revenue only produces palpitations to the heart and quite unnecessary anxiety. You don't deal with the Revenue properly, Rumpel. Huh? I've just won a long battle with them on the subject of pinstripe trousers, which I say are absolutely necessary for our work at the bar. Erskine Brown is our expert on revenue law, good on figures and absolutely hopeless on bloodstains. I'm now deducting two pairs of pinstripe trousers a year. Oh. It's a perfectly legitimate claim, Rumpole. Has been recognised as such by the Inland Revenue. Would you like a nice cup of coffee in your room, Mr Rumpole? Diane supplies a warmish brew which tastes faintly of meat extract. No, thank you, Diane. You might as well take advantage, Mr. Rumpole. You're paying regularly into the coffee money. No, no time for luxurious living, Diane. Inspector Dobbs is waiting for me. Ah, Inspector Dobbs. Mr. Rumpole. I never expected to see you in a defending barrister's chambers, Inspector. Good of Mr. Morse to bring you along. Inspector Dobbs has long been aware, Mr. Rumpole, of your talent for getting persons acquitted. I found it frustrating. Especially when you and I both know they're damn well guilty. Really, Inspector? 
Look, is it my talent for getting the guilty off that you'd like me to exercise in your case? I didn't say that, Mr. Rumpole. <laughs> uh, we met last year, didn't we, at Charlie Pointer's latest warehouse-breaking charge? Yes, you had a ridiculous win there, Mr. Rumpole. Uh, because you went to the witness box and swore that he'd said it's a fair cop, Mr. Dobbs, when you first got him into the nick. Now, Charlie may break into warehouses, but he never admits it to the police. He was so incensed at the insult to his intelligence that he was determined to fight it. And you won. No, if you hadn't put that little bit of guilt on the gingerbread, it might have been a verdict of guilty. Well, I can see we're never going to agree, Mr. Rumpold. Hmm? I told Mr. Morse it was going to be hopeless. I'll not waste any more of your time. Agree? Of course we're going to agree. Well, we've never been on the same side in court. Well, we're on the same side now. Why? What's changed? <laughs> What's changed, Inspector Dobbs, is that you're in trouble. You caught a nasty disease. Now, just look on me as the doctor who's out to cure you. What disease is that? A little indictment for bribery and corruption. Oh, don't worry, though. The most that can happen to you is a spell in an open prison. That's where they send the bent coppers. Let's cheer up, Dobbs, my old darling. You can exercise your natural talent for hedge clipping and spreading manure. Come along, Mr. Morse. I'm not going to sit here and have Mr. Rumpold crow over me on behalf of the criminal fraternity. I mm. think you should stay. Yes. Come on, Inspector. Come on. Good. Now, tell me the story. Well, well, I was surprised as anyone when Charlie Pointer asked to come and see me. Mm. He telephoned me at the station, suggested we had a Chinese together, and that a we Chinese? Should... What exactly? Meal, of course. Ah. Um, what did you think about that? Well, I thought he was trying to dog it a Chinese dinner, so anyway, uh, that didn't... Did you didn't... say dog it, Inspector? Yes, of course he did, Morse. Dog it's coat and badge means cadge, thieves rhyming slang. Oh. A language used by Charlie Pointer and Detective Inspector Dobbs. Now, in any event, you agreed to meet Charlie. Uh, right? Yes, at the Swinging Bamboo, the one in the high street. Why did you meet him? Well, I was curious, I suppose. Hmm? Well, it was my night off. I was lonely, not being a married man. So the idea of picking over a chop suey with Charlie Pointer appealed to you. You went on your own? I did, yes, and uh, soon it became a regular occasion. You weren't suspicious? No, no I thought Charles, the old-fashioned type, sticks to simple warehouse breaking, no violence, an honest sort of tea leaf in his way. Just as you're an honest sort of copper in your way. Even though you invented a couple of verbals at Charlie's trial. Mr. Rumpold, do we have to go into that again? No, no I'm sorry, you're quite right. Don't let's dig up old verbals. Uh, go on. Well, as I say, you, you could have knocked me down with a feather when Charlie offered to be a grass. Mm, you thought he'd be a good source? Yes, Charles is in touch with three or four big firms of shop and warehouse breakers. So what did you do? I consulted my superior officer. Superintendent Glazier? That's right. He told me to carry on at my discretion. Charlie give you anything useful? Oh, little bits and pieces. Nothing enormous, but when we checked it over, we found it was reliable. And you were prepared to pay him for it? Yes, we owed him 500 nicker at the time. At the time of the alleged bribery? Oh. So that's what you were talking about? Of course, Mr. Rumpole. Yeah, that's the defence. You didn't want Charlie to pay you 500. You were going to pay him. Of course I was, Mr. Rumpole. I'll swear on the book on that. He's a liar who says different. I was sitting brooding on the departure of the inspector in trouble when I received a visit from my learned friend Claude Erskine Brown. He had the grave face and suppressed excitement of a man who's just unearthed a serious scandal. Rumpole, have you any idea what you pay for coffee money? 
Coffee money, Claude. Henry is charging us two pounds a week each for coffee money. Oh, you astonish me. Now, I have made careful inquiries at my local supermarket, and a large tin of instant coffee... That is not instant coffee we drink, Erskine Brown. It's dishwater, lightly flavoured with meat extract. Well, a large tin of whatever it is, Rumpole, costs no more than four pounds fifty at the most. Now, there are twenty members of Chambers... Henry is therefore getting £40 a week coffee money and making a profit of £35.50 on our coffee. Oh, unbelievable. Yes, there's only one thing that disturbs me. What's that, Rumpole? Will they have room for a waxwork of our Clark Henry between Dr. Crippen and Herr Hitler and the Chamber of Horrors? Oh, really, Rumpole. It's no use talking to you. I should have gone straight to the head of chambers. No, oh, just before you go, that's a very elegant new pair of pinstripe trousers you're wearing, Erskine Brown. Huh? Nonsense, Rumpole. I haven't had a new pair of pinstripe trousers for years. Haven't you really? Yes, it's what I rather thought. Superintendent Glazier. Uh, Mr. Rumpole. Mr. Morse. Good day to you, Inspector. Good of you to call in. You uh, wanted to hear the original tape recording. So began the performance we'd come to attend. The Superintendent Glazier, with a small and contented smile, switched on the little machine. Act one, scene one. The set, I take it, was the swinging bamboo restaurant. The dramatis persona, Detective Inspector Dobbs, a new supergrass Charlie Pointer. The background noises, the crunch of prawn crackers and the gentle simmering of sweet and sour pork on the table heaters. On this, the curtain rises. Or rather, the tape is turned on. You... you want another payment, Inspector? No one works for nothing, Charlie. What's going to happen if I can't pay? I've got the whole squad behind me, and I want to get my fingers on what you promised me. When are you coming through, Charlie? How much do you want of me, Mr. Dobbs? 500 nicker, Charlie. Can I have a few more days to collect the money? I'll sell my old banger. Next Thursday, Charlie. I want it by then. Next Thursday's payday. Same time and place then, Mr. Dobbs. Still got a lot of faith in your client, have you, Mr. Rumpole? It's uh, interesting recording that. You can hear the clatter of plates and the crackle of crispy noodles throughout. Must all have been made in the Chinese restaurant. Members of the jury, it is fashionable nowadays to knock the police. Left-wingers, do-gooders, counsellors of civil liberties... Defending barristers, such as my learned friend old Rumpole of the Bailey. Go on, my dear old prosecuting counsel, why didn't you say it? Even some defending barristers. <laughs> Morton Colfax QC, prosecuting in the case of the bent copper. He said it at last. All these people who take every opportunity to suggest dishonesty in the police... What a suggestion. You may think, I'm sure you do think, members of the jury, that our police are quite the best in the world and the sure protectors of our liberties. Oh, careful, old darling, don't overdo it. The man with the handlebar moustache, top left of the jury box, looks as though he's just been done for speeding. But when one policeman goes wrong, when one copper, as we say, goes bent... You say that, my dear old QC. You and your pals are on the Garrick Club on a Saturday night. Then that one single bent copper, like Detective Inspector Dobbs, can bring the entire police force into ill-deserved disrepute. That one rotten apple, members of the jury, can infect the whole barrel. He must be weeded out. The members of the jury, I will now call Charles Pointer. 
Charlie, Charlie Pointer giving evidence for the prosecution. <coughs> I'm here to tell the truth, Mr. Rumpole. I? Are you really? Did you tell the truth when you pleaded not guilty to warehouse breaking in 1974? Yeah. And yet the jury didn't believe you and you got convicted? Maybe it's because you was defending me then. <laughs> you asked for that, didn't you, Mr. Rumpole? <coughs> Mr. Justice Vosper, one of the worst kind of judges, he tries to make jokes. Inspector Dobbs gave evidence against you then. So he did last year when I got off. You did better for me that time, Mr. Rumpole. <laughs> you don't like Inspector Dobbs, do you, Charlie? Oh, nothing against the man. Personal-like. Mm, nothing against him personally? Hmm? No. In fact, you became quite friendly with Inspector Dobbs, didn't you? You rang him and asked him to a Chinese dinner. I asked him. I invited out the old Bill. <laughs> You're joking. No, Charlie. Inspector Dobbs' entire career is at stake in his 30 years of pension. I am not joking. <laughs> Look, Mr. Rumpole, he came to see me. He said they charged me with a job at Fresh Foods, which I never done. Oh, God. And he said they got my dabs on the frozen food store. Did you believe him about the dabs? About the what, Mr. Rumpole? Uh, the fingerprints, my lord. <coughs> no, I didn't really. But I didn't want to face no trial about it. He said he wouldn't do me if I paid him. Five hundred nicker. Mr. Rumpole, there may be members of the jury who are not as familiar as you with criminal argo. Would you care to translate... Uh, certainly. Five hundred pounds, my lord. Five hundred I couldn't pay him straight away, so I suggested we meet for a Chinese and talk it over, like. So you went wired for sound? Yeah. Who suggested that? Do I have to say? Well, Mr. Rumpole has asked the question. He may not like the answer. Superintendent Blazier. You see, Mr. Rumpole, I did warn you. You might not like the answer. On the contrary, my lord, I like it very much indeed. You reported this alleged conversation. This alleged request for a bribe, Mr. Rumpole. If your lordship pleases. You reported it to my client's superior officer. Yeah. So you are a grass, aren't you, Charlie Pointer? Now, Mr. Rumpole, are you going to conduct this entire case in what the jury may well find to be a foreign language? My lord, you are a police informer, aren't you, Charlie? On that occasion, I have to admit it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then you went to Inspector Dobbs and promised to tell him the name of the firm. Uh, I beg your pardon, my lord. The gang who did the fresh foods job. I never. Oh, yes, you did, Charlie. And Inspector Dobbs is going to pay you for your information the sum of 500, for the benefit of his lordship, pounds. So that's how that sum of money got to be mentioned in the Chinese restaurant. He was offering to pay me. Exactly. Mr. Rumpel, may I remind you that that suggestion is quite contradictory to the tape recording the jury have already heard. It's inconsistent with this witness's questions, my lord. It's not in the least inconsistent with my client's answers. I'm afraid, Mr. Rumpel, I no longer follow you. Well, then perhaps, my lord, we can have a little demonstration. I would just ask the officer to remind us of the words on the tape again may be played. You want another payment, Inspector? No one works for nothing, Charlie. What's going to happen if I can't pay? I've got the whole squad behind me, and I want to get my fingers on what you promised me. When are you coming through, Charlie? How much do you want off me, Mr. Dobbs? 500 nicker, Charlie. Can I have a few more days to collect the money? I'll sell my old banner. 
next Thursday, Charlie. I want it by then. Next Thursday's payday. Same time and place then, Mr. Dobbs. Charlie, we're going to play that tape again with your questions left out. Instead of them, I want you to read this list of questions. Usher, uh, will you hand this to the witness? <coughs> Charlie, will you do that for us? I don't mind. Oh, I'm sure you don't with your new interest in assisting the course of justice. Yes. <laughs> Shall we begin? I'm going to get paid, aren't I, Inspector Dobbs? No one works for nothing, Charlie. What's going to happen if the old firm find out I'm a grass? I've got the whole squad behind me and I want to get my fingers on what you promised me. When are you coming through, Charlie? How much are you paying for me for the info, Mr. Dobbs? 500 nicker, Charlie. Can I have a few more days to get the gent on the fresh foods job? Then I'll come through with a list of names. Next Thursday, Charlie. I want it by then. Next Thursday's payday. <laughs> Very clever, Mr. Rumpel. Thank you, Charlie. <coughs> it's just not true, that's all. That's not how it happened. I'll take my oath. Mr. Rumpel, if what you are suggesting is correct, then someone has been guilty of falsifying this tape. That is so, my lord. A falsification to which this witness was clearly a party. And the other party? Oh, that is something, my lord, which I hope we may be able to find out before this trial is over. I'll call Mr. Glazier. Mr. Glazier? Isn't my learned friend for the prosecution rather underdoing it? Why not give him his full title? Why not call out proudly? I call Superintendent Glazier, a most senior and serious officer of the serious crime squad. That's what I'd suggest. So why play Mr.? Mr. Glazier. Mr. again. On the 4th of March, when this conversation at the Chinese restaurant took place, were you Inspector Dobbs' senior officer? I was. He was his senior officer. And as such, would you supervise Dobbs' contact with police informers? I would expect to do so, yes. And would you have to authorise any proposed payment of £500 to a police informant? If it was a sum of that size, yes. yes. Uh, did Inspector Dobbs ever tell you he meant to use the man Pointer as a police informant? Did he, Mr Glazier? No, my lord, he never did. Or ever ask your permission to pay Pointer £500? No, my lord. Or any sum of money whatsoever? No. Mr. Rumpel, our client says that he told the super all no, about it. No, sit quiet, Mr. Morso, darling, and let's listen to the damning out. evidence of Mr. Glazier. Uh, now, Mr. Glazier, at the end of April, did the man Pointer come to you with a complaint against Inspector Dobbs? Yes, he did. Yes, and what was the nature of that complaint? Uh, just a moment. Do you object to that question, Mr. Rumpel? Oh, no, my lord. I'd like to hear the full extent of the case that can be fabricated against my client. Mr. Rumpel... Whether or not it is fabricated is entirely a matter for the jury. Exactly, my lord, and for no one else in this court. What was Pointer's complaint? He said that Inspector Dobbs had demanded money from him mm -hmm. and threatened to charge him with participating in the fresh foods robbery if he didn't pay up. And so what course did you take? Well, I provided Pointer with a pocket tape recorder and asked him to keep an appointment with Dobbs in a Chinese restaurant, my lord. And as a result of that instruction, was this conversation recorded? 
Part of this conversation was recorded. Yes, thank you. Uh, no further questions. Master Rumpole, have you any questions to ask this officer? Uh, just a few, my lord. <sighs> then I've no doubt the jury will be better equipped to understand your case after a little rest. <laughs> 10.30 tomorrow morning, then, members of the jury. More smell, darling. I'll have to tear you away from your tomato plants. Things for you to do. May we draw now and give your attendance at 10.30 How long is it going to be? Where the next case is? It shouldn't be long now. Mr Glazier. <laughs> yes, Mr Rumpole. When did you first know that Charlie Pointer was a grass? Oh, when he came to me and told me that your client had asked for a bribe, Mr Rumpole. Did that surprise you? Surprise me that your client was a rotten apple? I was surprised, sir. And extremely upset. Oh, I'm so sorry. And did it surprise you that Charlie should be prepared to act as a police informer? For the first time in an honourable career as a warehouse breaker? Did you say honourable, Mr. Rumpole? <laughs> oh, yes, my lord. Charlie Pointer was breaking his own code of honour when he decided to grass. That's why I suggest he didn't do so voluntarily. I should be interested to know just what you are suggesting. Certainly, my lord. <laughs> now, you thought Charlie was involved in the fresh foods job, didn't you? Shall we say he was under suspicion? <laughs> Shall we say exactly that? Yes, he was. Did you tell him his fingerprints were on the storeroom door at Fresh Foods? I think I may have done. Mm. So you interviewed him, did you? Long before he told you that Inspector Dobbs was asking for a bribe. I, uh, may have done? Yes, you may have done. And you told him he might be involved in a serious charge. Is that what Pointer has said? Oh, don't you worry what Pointer has said. You just try to tell us the truth, Superintendent. Oh. I'm sorry. Why are you apologising, Mr. Rumpole? It's no longer superintendent, is it? Oh. You've been demoted. I have been uh, re-ranked, yes. After a disciplinary hearing. My Lord, has that got anything to do with this case? <coughs> I suggest it has everything to do with this case. There was a complaint, wasn't there, that you had failed to investigate a case of an officer receiving bribes. Your superiors took the view that you'd been culpably negligent. There was a complaint. Mm. And the prosecution have tried to conceal your demotion by referring to you in court as plain mister and not disclosing your new rank. Oh, my lord, I really must protest. Oh, don't bother. The jury know the truth now. Just as they'll soon learn the whole truth about this case. Ah, let me make it clear to you. My client, Inspector Dobbs, was a Swede, wasn't he? You are saying your client's not English? Oh, I'm sorry, I'll interpret again for the benefit of your lordship. A Swede is an old-fashioned policeman, a turnip-head, one who is honest according to his lights and never takes bribes. Have you heard that description used by less scrupulous officers? I have heard it, yes. Yes, but the Swede was getting suspicious. Old Dobbsy was starting to smell a rat. <coughs> Was it Inspector Dobbs who made the first complaint against you? Now, don't bother to lie, Mr Glazier. I can call for the record. Well, I'm not at all sure. My Will you answer? I think it was, yes. You think it was. So, Dobbsy had to be shut up. You put pressure on Charlie Pointer. You threatened to do him for the fresh foods job, which was one of those he hadn't done. You lied and told him you had a fingerprint and got him to help you frame Inspector Dobbs. Oh, uh, by the way, does the word frame require translation for your lordship? No. 
Thank you, Mr. Rumpole. I understand it perfectly well. A pointer offered Inspector Dobbs information and took him to the Chinese restaurant where he led him into some answers you could slot into another tape you made later. No. No? It was careful of you to make that second tape in the same restaurant so you could get the same background noises. It's not true. I I never went to that restaurant with Charlie, with Pointer. You're lying. And you are rather a careless officer, aren't you, Mr. Glazier? You see, I should be calling a Mr. Wa Lee Po, who remembers Charlie eating at his restaurant with a number of solid gentlemen in plain clothes on a number of occasions. Perhaps Mr. Noir would just step into court so that we can make quite sure he identifies you later. Just had another triumph, have you, Horace, down at the Old Bailey? Oh, a bit of a triumph, I suppose, Featherstone. You see, they were looking for a rotten apple, and they found the right one in the end. Oh, well, ex-Superintendent Glazier will end up in an open prison, spreading muck and slipping out of a pub on Saturdays. It's the question of a rotten apple which I have to raise at this chamber's meeting. Mm. It's, it's a question of morality in chambers. Uh, but Claude Erskine-Brown has a problem about the coffee made in the clerk's room. Yes, and I have a problem about trousers. What on earth do you mean, Rumpel? Uh, have you got a light? Oh, yeah. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Trousers. Pinstripe trousers, barristers for the use of. Now, what would you say if I, or if anyone... Charge the commissioners of the Inland Revenue for the purchase of two brand new pairs of pinstripe trousers a year and went on sporting the same faded old bags that had been run up for me on my call to the bar. Oh, I'd say that would clearly amount to deception and, and making a false return. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose we all have to live with a certain amount of deception. I mean, gingering up the verbals or the coffee money. But it can go too far, though, like false tape recordings or profiting from non-existent trousers. Uh, Horace, I, I'm, I'm not sure I catch your drift. Well, never mind. Let's get on with the chamber's meeting. Uh, Claude, did you want to raise the question of coffee money? Uh, no. I, I don't think so. On second thoughts, I think not. Well, the worst part of it all was, Hilda, that Glazier recommended me as a barrister to poor old Dobsey. <laughs> he must have thought that I'd got such a dislike for the police, having attacked them so often, that I wouldn't defend a copper properly. Didn't he know my religious faith? A client is a client, no matter how disreputable and unattractive. Well, you understand that, Hilda, don't you? Hilda... Would you mind telling me? What's eating you? Oh, very well. It was your answer to my question. When? A month ago. What? You were having a conference with a policeman. Oh, in Inspector Dobbs? Yes, you were leaving to see him. And I asked you, will you be home early tonight, dear? Mm. And you said... Well, what did I say? You said, I bloody well hope not. <laughs> Nonsense. I said that when you asked me if I'd be back late. No. I didn't hear any other question. Rumpole, are you sure? Sure, of course I'm sure. 
No, it's the questions that are important, you see. Never the answers. That was Morris Denham as Rumpole, Margot Boyd as Hilda, and Michael Spice as Guthrie Featherstone in The Rotten Apple. Mr. Justice Vosper was played by Robert Harris, Claude Erskine Brown, Brian Carroll, Henry Hayden Wood, Mr. Morse, Leonard Fenton, Morton Colfax QC, Jonathan Elsom, Diane, Rowena Roberts, Superintendent Glazier, Bernard Gallagher, Inspector Dobbs, Don Henderson, and Charlie Pointer, Arthur Lovegrove. Rumpole and the Rotten Apple was written by John Mortimer and directed by Peter King. <laughs>